excited about this new series on work because my world has been really shifting as I've really allowed Jesus into every square inch of um, our world and my life and your life, and it's radically changed my imagination for how God is at work in the world. So I'm really excited about pressing into that. I've um, I really want us to believe by the end of the series that you really believe that God cares about your work. Not just the work you get paid for, not just the work that you like, not just the work that ends up at the end of the year goals that you're really excited about checking off the list, also the laundry that has to get done, also the stuff that goes unnoticed, also the things you wish you didn't have to do. Because when we have a, a heart to believe that God is actually in all, that his presence is actually in our work as well. It opens up the potential to see that God's kingdom really has come and is coming and is coming through you. I'm going to tell you there's a, there's a lot of language when you start researching about God and work where people will use the language of sacred and secular. I don't like it. Because what that indicates to me is that there is a world that is sacred that God participates in, and then there's a secular world where good luck finding God in it. And I just don't believe that to be the case. Um, we believe in a really big story about God. And what we believe about God's story is that it is still being written today in the way that we collectively live our lives. And so if we were only going to talk about Sunday morning, this one hour at 10 a.m., if this is the only hour that we were figuring out who God is and what he's like and what he's doing in the world, if this were the only group of people we were doing that with, we would have a really limited view of who God is and what's happening in the world. Does anybody feel like Stephanie just opened up a world when you drive by the school to think about how God is at work in our schools we can have a much bigger understanding of God's story. We believe in a story that begins with, a, with one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, experiencing love together in a, in a relationship with one another, and that they wanted humanity, a creation, to be part of their love for one another. So they created us and created a world where we could interact with God and with one another and experience the way he works and loves the world. He was the first worker of the world. We're, we're going to study that as we get into this, into this series. And we believe that in that world of interacting with God and people and earth, there came brokenness. And God was not content to leave the world broken. So his plan for salvation, for rescue, for restoration of the world, was to come himself in the person of Jesus, becoming a human being, working this life, showing us what it is to have a perfect relationship with God and each other and the earth and the way that he lived. And his death and resurrection made a way for us to experience the holiness of God and the holiness of work once again and the way that re we relate to God and to each other and to the earth. And so even now, God is restoring the world us to God, us to one another, and us to the earth as we work, as we were originally created to do in perfect harmony with God. We get to experience the restoration of that in our work. So your work matters. Even when your work feels meaningless, it matters. You are imaging who God is when you work. 
you, are, you have the opportunity to be restored to each other and to even restore the earth as you work. And so we're going we're gonna to delve into that. We won't cover all of it today. Thanks. I'm so glad I don't have to cover it all today. Um, but I love this verse, Colossians 3.17. We, we shared that as our Lectio Divina today. I want you to hear it one more time. And I'm really hoping we'll memorize this. So I'm going to say it once and then we'll say it together. And this will be the linchpin verse, the linchpin redirection where we, we recommit, re-change our vision to see our work by seeing that God is in it all. And let's see how that changes. So here's Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Can we say that together? Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, I totally pulled this verse out of context. I normally really hate it when people do that. So let me get us oriented a little bit to why I did that. This is in the middle of a letter to a church in a city called Colossae, where there are a lot of new followers of Jesus. This is a Greek city, which means that they did not have a Jewish background. They don't know the story of God from the beginning. They're learning it. They had a completely different worldview, but now they've accepted the good news about Jesus, about God's plan for the restoration of the whole world through his son. And now they're trying to learn all the new aspects of their life in a Greek city through Jesus, like kind of on their own. Anybody have a job that feels like that? Feel like you're just thrown into something and every once in a while somebody pops in and tells you something? Well, that's kind of how these people are feeling. So Paul writes this letter to Colossae to go, okay, here's some specific situations that you seem to be going through that we didn't know about, like eating food sacrificed to idols. Not really a problem in Jerusalem. So he, he tackles some specific new situations that their Greek secular life, you know, I'm not going to like that word, okay, how God is going to redirect them into a new way. There's a new way to work with God that they have to learn. And he can't cover everything in this really tiny letter to the Colossians, everything that they're going to interact with. So right here in the middle of the letter, he makes this turn and he's like, okay, so I've covered some things, but just know at the end of the day, whatever you do, (laughs) whether in word or deed, just do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, and it's going to get worked out, (laughs) giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's this overarching principle for how to do on-the-job training in a new way. I really appreciate this letter to the Colossians because it's a reminder that being a follower of Jesus does not mean you have to be an expert overnight. You can get on-the-job training (laughs) for how to do life with God, and isn't that a relief? And here's the other, like, relief. This book, the Bible, was mostly finished being written by 100 AD. So it's old. So if you want on-the-job training for how to be a follower of Jesus and be a nuclear engineer, you're not going to find it here. (laughs) Or like how to be a mom in this world and do laundry and stuff and have all the meals done in the grocery shopping. Like different world. So one of the things that we get to do with Colossians is say, where are the principles about how God meets us in our work? And then how can I work out my on-the-job training as we go? Which is why I love this middle of the, middle of the letter verse to us, because it's a summarizing principle that says, it's going to be okay. I know you're not an expert, 
but you're going to be able to figure out everything as you go because Jesus's wisdom is universal and for all time. And now that Jesus is in the center of the whole world, as long as you do everything in his name and giving thanks to the Father, you'll know what to do by his spirit. Uh, when Larry and I were learning um, uh, pre-marriage counseling, like when we were being counseled, our counselors told us to never use the word never. Like you never do this or you always do this or every time. Because those words are especially inflammatory, are they not? You don't have to put elbows into the ribs of somebody for me to see that you know how dangerous these words can be, right? But Jesus, in his gospel, and his story of salvation, makes some, some really significant pla- um, claims that should get your heckles up because they're inflammatory. Jesus centers the whole of the story and our stories around him. And says that Jesus is in everything. And so everything changes when God comes on the scene. And um, it's something that like we have to like shake ourselves into. But when we can allow Jesus to come into the center, it gives great purpose to our work. Because we let God be in it all. So we're going to like it in the long haul. Though it's going to be a learning curve. And we're going to have to do a lot of on-the-job training. Larry read... Um, as our call to worship from early in Colossians. That felt like a different version of Colossians. Oh, you read Ephesians. Oh, yeah, see? Ephesus, yeah. Ephesians and Colossians have a lot in common. I was like, what version are you reading? That sounds like Colossians 1, but not quite. So the letter starts with, Colossians, the letter, starts with this all-encompassing message about Jesus that before they get to all the individual situations they're working into, they're like, this, Jesus, it's all going to center around Jesus. All the solutions are going to center around Jesus. So Will you just humor me and do an all hand motion? Will you just do this for me? All. Okay. All. And remember, all is an inflammatory word because it doesn't let leave anything out. So listen to what Colossians, Paul says about Jesus in Colossians chapter 1. And every time we hear the word all, we're just going to do this together, okay? Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or, what was the other one? Authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. So, does Jesus hold together your industry? Oh, yes, he does. It is in all things. Did God create the dirt that you're trying to plant something in this year? Yes, because he created all things. Did God create your extended family, including the crazy person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> created all things. And guess what? In him, all things are holding together. Whoo! Okay, so here's the deal with following Jesus. We have allowed what it is to be a Christian to be limited to our Sunday morning routine. But God's actually in all things. He created all things, and in him all things hold together, and that includes all lines of work. So whatever we do, whether in word or in deed, we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we're going to get real practical today. We're going to talk about your day 
tomorrow. So on, um, there's on like every couple of seats, there is a um, worship pamphlet that has an empty sheet for notes, and Catherine has extra sheets of paper and pen. So if you don't want to share with the people you came with, I don't blame you, um, Catherine's going to come around with another piece of paper and a pen. And kids, if you'll come and join me, I want us to talk about our days tomorrow thinking about this new way that we can work because we believe that Jesus is in all things. So come on over here. We're going to draw together, and it's going to be fun. Larry, can you toss me that chalk? Sweet. Okay. Okay, I want you to start thinking about your day tomorrow. Or if tomorrow is not a very eventful day, like you can go for the whole week. But just like let it get real, real pragmatic here on Monday. So we're going to start in the morning. And kids, I, I really want you to see that God is in everything and that you can do everything you do with God and for God. So somebody tell me something you have going on in the morning tomorrow. Yes. Breakfast. You got breakfast. Awesome. What do you eat for breakfast, Reed? You eat a bowl of cereal. Guys, you're, you're so excited to see my artistic abilities. Don't, you're very excited about this. Yes. You do school. Awesome. Okay, we're going to go to school. We're going to learn in a book. Look at how good that artistry is. Yep, don't be. Yep, mm-hmm. Mommy gets 3D. Now it looks like a box. Great. <laughs> what else do you guys do in the morning? Yes. Awesome. Kiefer gets to go to school earlier than all the rest of us. So I'm going to put a little, I'm going to put a little, that's like a bus car-ish thing. You guys are, I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. But we're going in the car. Okay, great. Okay. What do we do in the afternoon? What's in your afternoon? Yes. Lunch. lunch. Oh, I'm so glad we have lunch. What do you eat for lunch? I'm going to do a piece of pizza. Can we do pizza for lunch? Okay. We're doing some pizza. Oh, you hate pizza. I'm sorry. I should have given you better. Yes. What else? Sports. What sport do you play? Fast pitch. That's awesome. Reed and I were just talking about how we throw underhand. He was mad at me for throwing underhand. I'm like, this is how I learned. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, afternoon and then in the evening. What do you got going on at night? Yes. Um, in the evening, uh, I eat dinner. Dinner. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, dessert. I'm going to do an ice cream cone because I feel like that's within my artistic abilities. Okay, ice cream. And then what else do you do in the evening? Brush your teeth. That is, I, you know what? I'm so glad you brush your teeth. Thank you for doing that. Okay. Anything else that we do in the evenings? Yep. Oh, movies on Fridays. Yes, we do. We're going to do a little, we'll do Disney. Circles are about the limitation Yay. of my artistic ability. Okay, great. So here's what I want you to think about. In what you're doing tomorrow, what are you especially glad to know God is with you in that? Is there anything on, on this board that you're like, I'm so glad that tomorrow God will be with me here? Go ahead. You're glad that God's with you in school. Awesome. Kind of, it makes a difference, right? To know you're not by yourself. Good. Yep, read. Oh, okay. Anywhere else you're especially God's gonna be God's gonna be with you. Yep. In the car. In the car. Yeah, because sometimes we get a little stressed to know if we're gonna make it to the bus on time, don't we? So we're glad God's with us in the car. 
God is with you in everything that you do. Hold on. I'm going to ask you one more question. See if you know, see if you can give me a good answer for this one. God, we also can do everything for God. So is there anything that you're going to get done tomorrow? Anything that you're going to make? Anything that you write that you're especially excited about? Yes. You're going to be done with school at the end of the day. You're going to be especially glad for that. Okay, so we're going to make this we're going to make this time transition where now you're going to go home. Okay, you're especially glad about that. I know. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Keeper. I like I'm an avant-garde artist. <laughs> Anything else? Anything that you're doing tomorrow that you are especially glad you're going to get done? Yes. Art projects. Yeah, absolutely. What else? Math. Math. Ooh, I love that. Okay, one plus one equals two. That's all you have to know to be a pastor. Okay, we're especially excited about that. So do you know that when you are done doing anything that you're proud of, you can say, thank you, God. Or you can say, I did that for you, God, because he cares about everything that you're going to get done. He wants you to do everything that you're doing with him and for him. So I think you're going to go back with Maddie and, uh, and work on drawing out your day tomorrow. And I want you to think about where are you especially glad God's going to be with you? And what are you especially glad that you're going to do and write thanks to God on the bottom, okay? Okay, thank you for talking me through your days. I like their days. Anybody want to trade for a student life? Ice cream every night? I wish. Okay. Okay, whatever we do. Whether in word or deed, we're going to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to unpack a little bit about what it means to do things in the name of the Lord Jesus. I want to unpack a little bit about what it means to give, give thanks to God in everything that we're doing. My first job was not glamorous out of college. It ended up it was looking like a gap year kind of thing. And my parents and I had this great idea that when they retired, we were going to run a bed and breakfast. Anybody carry that vision? I'm going to ruin it for you. So I, there was a bed and breakfast near the college, and I got a job there. It sounded very important. I was going to be an innkeeper. That sounded fabulous. So as a good Southern girl, I showed up in heels and a really nice outfit, ready to be the innkeeper. And my first assignment... Like, I didn't, there was not even a full conversation, I'm sure, about it. And I was handed the mop and told to go clean the bathrooms. I'm like, okay, so this is, this is what it's going to be like. I kept having run-ins with that particular manager. She didn't like me, which I knew because she told me on my 30-day review that she just didn't like me as a person, but I was a good worker. So I left, right? Oh no, I stayed because I was living under this ridiculous lie that I can make everyone like me. And I just hadn't quite learned yet that that was a lie and to give up on the thing. So I was bound and determined that by the time, by the time I left, she was going to love me. <laughs> Along the way, this, they hired this woman named Joy. Real story, real name. And I knew that God had sent Joy to me because I'd actually met her sitting next to her on an airplane months before in an encounter that really made an impression on me that I'll unpack at another point. But what's important is that when Joy showed up to, to work at the job, I knew that God had something in this for us. Joy did not get the fancy title of innkeeper. She got the title of housekeeper, and she was the most joyful person about it that I've ever met. She cleaned the rooms the best and the fastest and with a smile on her face. And I remember having a conversation with her about that. And she gave me a pretty humble speech about how 
She believed that she did her work with God and for God, not even kidding, and um, that that made a difference about how she went about her work. And it made such an impression on me um, that now 15 years later, I think I know what she meant. <laughs> I didn't learn it in the moment, but joy, um, joy really showed me that God cared about even what it is to clean a room. How many of you, um, let, let's just do a shameful show of hands. How many of uh, the rest of you do not make your bed when you leave it in the morning? I am not a bed maker. Okay, thank you. Thank you. But I tell you what, if I think there's any chance that you're going to come to my house and for some reason when we're going to end up upstairs, I'm going to make that bed. Amen? Because I really care about what you think about how the bed is made, right? This is the principle that comes into play when we think about our work. Everything that we do, even making a bed and brushing the teeth and how we do our meals and how we transition between things, when we think about everything in terms of God being with us, and doing it for him. That how he is with us is what's behind that in the name of the Lord Jesus. And there's a lot I could unpack in there, but I, I want to talk about um, doing things in the name of the Lord Jesus in terms of doing the work as if he was the one who told us to do it, doing our work as he would do it, and doing our work as if he's the one getting the credit for it. So, uh, so let's just start by looking at your list for Monday, what you got going on on Monday. And I wonder, is there anything on your list that you're not looking forward to? You just like really wish it wasn't on your job list. Would it make a difference to you if you knew that Jesus had asked you to do that job? So why don't you just like circle it, if that's something you want to talk to God about later. Can you enter into that task knowing that Jesus has assigned you to that work? If you're doing it in his name, under his authority, under his directive, does it make a difference? Then I want you to consider if anything on your list, if your attitude about it would be a little different. You might go about it a little different way if you're doing it as he would. Because climbing three flights of stairs, really four, because the basement was where the laundry was, with sheets up and down and up and down was not fun. But could I imagine doing that work as Jesus would do it? He'd probably have time to say hi every time on the first floor when he passes other people who are working, right? Is there anything on your list that you want to circle and say, Lord, is there a way you would do this differently than I'm planning on doing this? What difference would that make? And then thirdly, do everything in Jesus' name as a way that he'll get the credit for it. What's on your list tomorrow, that, or just as you think about this week, that you're, excited, that you're excited about completing yourself? You're like proud of it. You're really glad that that's going to get done, and you're looking forward to the recognition of it. Would it make a difference doing it in the name of Jesus if he's the one getting credit for it? And this is where we have a big turn as followers of Jesus. Because the first two ways of doing things in the, name of the, in the name of the Lord Jesus could serve the American gospel of my best life now. It could serve like, oh good, I, I actually hate working for that manager, so it actually makes a difference if uh, Jesus is the one telling me to do it. I could buy that. That helps. Um, I, 
am very grouchy about the work that's coming up. So if I did it as Jesus would do it, that's good. But it really does not serve our American gospel purpose to give Jesus all the credit, to do it all for him. And so this is where we have this significant shift and a connection between doing things in the name of the Lord Jesus and giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love this insight. I'm going to give my friend Julie Hawkins credit for this insight. We are talking about um, what it is to give thanks to God. And I mentioned to her that um, it's the word Eucharisto in Greek, which might sound familiar if you have a Catholic background, because it's the same word that Eucharist comes from, which is what our Catholic brothers and sisters call this meal of bread and juice that we eat every week. Because the word uh, Eucharist is connected to the thanksgiving offerings that the Jews would bring to God all the time in the Old Testament. Now remember, Paul's writing to the Colossians who don't know this long story of God. They wouldn't know to bring thanks offerings to God unless somebody told them that that's what you're supposed to do, right? But Paul's writing from a framework that understands that God has always been asking for thanks offerings. There are different kinds of offerings that were brought in the Old Testament. There were the offerings that you brought when you knew you did something bad or when you didn't know you did, you did something bad, but you just needed to cover it all, right? And those were the God I owe you offerings, right? But then the other offerings were the God you complete me offerings, you know? They were the offerings of restorative relationship. They were the offerings that said, God, everything is yours, and I'm just bringing back to you what you've given to me. And those were the thanks offerings, the, thank, the, Euchar- the Eucharist offerings. Those offerings were either bread or animals, so, or flour or animals. So if you brought flour as your Thanksgiving offering, it would be made into bread, and then it would be cooked, and it would be broken, and it would be given to the priest to eat. And then if you brought an animal, the animal would be killed and barbecued. It smell amazing. And then it would be broken and given to the priest to eat. And those bread and meat offerings were the Eucharist to say, God, everything we have comes from you. So now if you're a follower of Jesus, you might see where I'm going with this. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave Thanks, Eucharisto. And he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, the priests, who would be the ones to mediate, to tell the story of God all the way until today. And he gave it to them, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, my thanks offering, given to God. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, giving thanks, Eucharisto. He poured it out, and he said, this is the cup of a new covenant, a new way, a new way to relate to God that has been poured out in my blood, the sacrificial blood of the God of the universe, the perfect man. This new way has been given to you by my blood, for the forgiveness of sins, do this in remembrance of me. So then 
it was Paul who would write later, I pass on to you what was given to me. That whole spiel. And then this we do in remembrance of Christ until he comes again. This is how we Eucharisto. This is how we give our thanks offering to the Lord. Jesus was the perfect Eucharisto, the perfect thanks offering. The only animal that qualified for sacrifice was a perfect animal. Jesus was the perfect human being. His bread, his life is the sustaining power that keeps us going in our lives. Paul had all this in the back of his mind. He was, he was the consummate Jewish scholar. He wasn't on the job training. He knew it all. He was just unpacking it all in the life of Jesus in the Greek world. And so when he wants to unpack, what does it look like to carry this thanks offering from human history, from Jewish history into the Greek context? He says, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, Eucharisto, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Your whole life is the offering. It is the thanks offering. And Jesus has now qualified you to give imperfect words and deeds back to God. Not because you owe him, but because he completes you. He makes your life perfect and meaningful to the kingdom of God. So whatever you're doing tomorrow, meaningless, boring, We'll, we'll unpack some of these things in the, life t- in, the, in the weeks to come. Whether the people that you work with are just or unjust, whether they're kind or not kind, that doesn't eliminate Jesus' all-consuming, inflammatory claim that he is all in all, and that includes your work. And so God is with you. Everything you do, you can do with God and for God. And is that not a game-changer? We'll unpack um, more of that later, but for today, what I want you to leave with is the sense of an invitation from God. That your work is not earning your life. Your life has been made perfect in Christ. Your work is not earning your salvation. It's not earning your restoration to people. It's not earning your restoration to God. It It is already being restored by Jesus who is with you. And he would have us be the joys in the world who influence every sphere of what it is to be human with the kindness and the humble reality that God is with you and you're doing everything for him. And that changes everything. This is God's plan of salvation. It's already completed in Christ. And the way that all of our economies will be restored, our extended families will be restored, our earth will be restored, is as we live this story because it's real. He is with us, and we do it all for him. And so we come together every week to remember that this is the story, so we carry it into our week. We come together around a meal because we need the Spirit to infuse us. We need to remember that this is the story. We need to remember that the perfect offering has already been made for us. We cannot do it ourselves. So kids, if you'll come back to your families, if you'll finish up what you're doing, I'm going to pray for us. 
while you move, and we're going to receive this meal as Christ's Eucharisto. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for um, your incredible sacrifice for us. Thank you for the Eucharisto. Thank you for the Thanksgiving offering to God that restores us to you and to one another and to our work. Jesus, there are so many of us who work jobs where our faith cannot be an outright thing. There are so many of us who work jobs where I'm not sure what it looks like if Jesus were a fill-in-the-blank. And yet you've promised us that by your Spirit you are always with us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that the fruit of the Spirit that you bear out in our lives of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control is something that is not limited to one sphere of our lives. You bear that fruit everywhere. And so, Jesus, I pray that as we receive this bread and this juice, would your spirit remind us that you are restoring the world, that this is your plan of salvation, Jesus completed, and us with you restoring the earth. Jesus, recast our lives in that picture. Recast our lives as the offering that is broken out and given back to you in joyful thanksgiving that you are with us. You are all in all. We give you praise. You hold all things together. Would you hold us together? Would you hold Port Orchard together? Would you hold South Kitsap together? Would you hold our work together and our families together as we offer this offering to you? In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a Kitsap House podcast. We are located in Port Orchard, Washington, with in-person worship every Sunday. For more information, go online to kitsaphouse.org. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you, and God bless.